Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Want to continue with uh, our study on the book of Revelation, chapter 10. We're dealing with this messenger with a cloud on his head. Revelation 10, again, we'll look at verse 1. Praise the Lord. And he said, I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like a pillar of fire. We read that last week, and we started dealing with that, and I tried to explain to us what the rainbow really is. I mean, the cloud. I tried to make us see clearly that this is a singular cloud. And is directly connected to the cloud we find in Acts chapter 1, verse number 9. That also reflected in the temple of Solomon at the time of inauguration. And so we are looking at something today which has to do with coming in clouds. He left in a cloud. But in Revelation chapter 1 verse number 7, we find something else there. Revelation 1 verse 7. And it said, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also quit him, and all kindreds of the earth shall mourn, or shall wail because of him. Hallelujah. So here in Revelation 1 verse 7, it said it's coming with clouds. But in Revelation, I mean in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, he left in a cloud. So how is it that it's becoming clouds? From a singular cloud to a plural cloud. Hallelujah. So, like I said again, we can take a look at that in Acts chapter 1 verse number 9. Acts 9 verse number 9, when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and what? A cloud received him out of their sights. That's what we're saying. And if we go by what we have already believed, that is, as you see him go, so shall he also come in like manner. If he left in a singular cloud, then he should also come back in a singular cloud. That is only when it becomes in like manner. Hallelujah. And I also tried to make us understand when he left in Acts chapter 1, only 120 saw him. All eyes did not see him go. So if you're saying he has to come in like manner, and here in Revelation 1 verse 7 is saying he's coming in clouds and all eyes shall see him. 
then of course he's no longer in like manner because all eyes did not see him when he left. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Because Revelation 1 7 said, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. We may not, in this call of study, answering this question that we are dealing with, be able to deal with the issue of all eyes shall see him. But you have to understand when you see the Lord, you are changing to the same image as he is. Praise the Lord. Okay. So now we find that. How is this singular cloud becoming a plural cloud? That is coming back with, that's the question. When he left, like we said before, only a few persons saw him. Which are the 120 that were in the upper room. These are the only people that saw him, the only disciples saw him. And as a matter of fact, if we go by, still thinking about coming in like manner, unbelievers didn't see him go. Therefore, if we must really pursue that to a logical conclusion, only believers will see him come. That is only when he answers so, come in a like manner. Hallelujah. If I may just say a word on that, but that's not what we're dealing with. The word manner is not actually morphe in the Greek. Morphe is M-O-R-P-H-E, Morphe, which speaks of bodily form. But the one manner means tropos in the Greek. Tropos is always trying to describe the pattern with which he left. He wasn't describing his bodily shape. So there's a need to understand that. There's a big difference between tropos and Morphe. That's for another study anyway. So here again we find that, uh, let's quickly look at the book of Daniel chapter 7 again, verse 13 to 14. Daniel 7, 14 to, 14 to 13, I mean 13 to 14 there. He said, I saw in the night vision, this is Daniel's vision, Behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Clouds again. That's the point. So, Revelation 1, 7, we're talking about clouds. Daniel 7, 13, 14, we're talking about clouds. But like I'm saying, he left in a singular cloud. So what cloud is this? That's the question. Praise the living God. Are we here? So, it simply shows that there is something that we need to find out. There certainly must be a mystery in this singular cloud becoming clouds, which we need to really look at, because something is definitely happening. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you there? So now, when we look at that Revelation one seven again, we're talking about it coming in clouds. Now, in terms of historical fulfillment, these are the things I want you to begin to understand now. In terms of historical fulfillment. We find that this particular verse of scripture, which is Revelation 1 verse 7, is definitely answering to Zechariah 12 verse number 10. So let's look at Zechariah 10 verse number 12. Zechariah 12 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. 
And they shall look upon me whom they have what? Pierced. I would like you to see this in connection to Revelation 1 verse 7. Hallelujah. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his own son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Praise the living God. You follow what I'm saying here? Okay now. Revelation 1 7 is actually more or less a fulfillment of the Zechariah chapter 10, I mean 12, verse number 10. So what are we seeing here? This coming in clouds has to do with God's judgment on Jerusalem who rejected Jesus and crucified him. Praise the Lord. Are you following me? This is dealing with the execution of God's judgment on Jerusalem. Of all the promises Jesus gave to them, this is just what is playing out here. Now, the Bible is making us understand, if you look at that, Zechariah very closely. By the time they realize it, they are going to mourn and begin to say of the truth, this is the Son of God. He says it's going to give them the spirit, of, the, the, the spirit of grace and supplication again to look upon him whom they have pierced. Who was it that they pierced? That was Christ. Now, let's go back again and look at the book of that Romans, Revelation 1 verse 7. And then see the same language. Behold, I come with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also, we did what? Pierce him. Question, who are those that pierce him? The Jews. You never pierce Jesus. Are you with me? You never appeared Jesus. You didn't for one day. No. So, he's talking about those who appeared him. And you find the same thing in the book of Zechariah chapter 12 verse number 10. So, he was dealing with the Jews. And he's coming with clouds. They are going to see him. And they are going to, like in Zechariah, more at the end of the day. Two things will make them more precisely. They're going to repent or regret for what they've done. And at the same time, they're going to fall through tribulation time because of these clouds of heaven that is coming into them in form of judgment. So two things are going to make them more. Praise the living God. And when he say morning like, you know, somebody's false born, he's speaking of the intensity of the morning. The kind of pain they're going to go through. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So those who pierce him according to the scriptures are no other person but what? The Jewish people. As fulfilled in the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 10, verse number, I mean 12, verse number 10, which we have just read. The Bible says, they, they that pierce him. Like even we read the same thing in the book of Zechariah now, like we just read. They that pierce him speaks of the Jews that killed the Lord of glory. Can we look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and let's look at verse 7 to 8. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 to 8. It's about we speak the wisdom of God in mystery. In a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God before the world, I mean ordained before the world unto our glory. Now look at the next thing. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they will not have crucified the Lord of glory. Princess of this world. It's not talking about princess of this world that we're living in. It's talking about 
the princes of the age that they were in. Are you there with me? They will not have crucified a lot of glory. So if you're talking about princes of this world and you're thinking about your day, you miss it. Because where is Christ to be crucified today? I know you can crucify him and flesh in your flesh, but that is not what this scripture is dealing with. Paul is talking about the Jews that killed Jesus. If they have known him, that he was actually the Messiah, they would not have crucified him. That's what Paul is saying. So those who crucify him, the princes of this world, talking about the rulers, talking about the, the I mean, scribes, Pharisees, whatever, who were in charge, that's, people are referring to the princes of this world, those who were in charge at that particular time. They crucified a lot of glory. Remember, the high priest also had to observe Jesus by questioning him. Remember that? I taught you that before. Good. The reason the high priest had to question him, because they had to observe him as the Lamb of God, to see if he had a blemish. But again, they couldn't find fault. So, because the Lamb to be offered must be without spot or blemish. And the only man that can determine that before the Lamb is offered is the high priest. So the priests have to come and examine Jesus by questioning him. They were trying to prove whether this lamb has spot or wrinkles. That's the point. And the other aspect of it is for a lamb to be offered, it has to be washed by the high priest as well. So John the Baptist performed that duty by washing Jesus in the river Jordan. All was a preparation for the sacrifice of Jesus. So the princes of the world that crucified a lot of glory were actually the Jews. Is that okay? Good. So he's talking about those who pierce him. And I'm saying the Jews are the people that pierce him. You are not the one that pierce him. So that scripture definitely can't be referring to you. Are you with me? So, so when we read in that same scripture, in that, uh, Revelation 1-7, And all the kindreds of the earth shall more. Hmm? Praise the Lord. I said all the kindreds of the earth shall more. Now, this is the way actually ought to read in the original text. All the tribes of the land. So when you say all the kindreds of the earth shall more, it's like it's talking about Russia, whatever. No, 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 that's not what it is anyway. Now when it's going to come, maybe all nations of the earth are going to be crying. For what do we need to cry? Why do we need to more? Praise the living God. You following me? So it's not dealing with a crowd is not dealing with the nations all over the place. It's actually talking about the land. And what land is that? The land of Israel. Praise the Lord. It's talking about the land of Israel. You know, this is what he's dealing with when he says, The kindreds of the earth shall do what? Shall more. Praise the Lord. So we know therefore that it was the Jewish people that were evidently intended in this particular passage, and therefore the whole passage can be seen as, I mean, predicting, as it were, the destruction of Jerusalem, basically, in AD 17. That is what Revelation 1-7 is all about. This is one of the reasons we also need to believe that the book of Revelation was written before the fall of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Now, but let's look at something again in the book of Matthew 24, and we'll look at 29 and 30. Matthew 24, 29, 30, in dealing with the issue of the clouds. 
Now, what I'm trying to make you see today is the historical fulfillment of the use of that word, or application of that word, clouds. And we're going to be dealing with the application or spiritual implication of that next week. But now, look at this. In, okay, we read it from 29, right? Okay. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And this is very interesting. I remember when I was young, I was taking a course in Bible, you know, just one seminary somewhere, I think in Calabar, whatever. They used to send me the materials, I would answer questions, send back. And one of the things they were teaching when the world is about to end, the stars are going to fall from the sky. And they taught me that. But one day I was just imagining something. Because even the sun is also a star. Is that okay? Now, if the sun deck leaves its orbit and begins to come down, it can't even go halfway before the earth totally gets molten. I begin to wonder if this is really talking about the stars. Anyway, verse 13. Well, let's look at verse 13. What did he say? When this thing begins to happen, they shall appear the Son of Man, or the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth, same people, more. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Hallelujah. Now this is what informs most of our theology today as such what is going to happen at the end of time. And so we're always looking up to see when this is going to happen. And how Jesus, oh, he promised he's going to come in the clouds. So we've got to look up to see him come from the outer space. But like I said before, previous, he never left into the outer space. Even when he came the first time in what we call first advent, it was not from the outer space. He came in the cloud of glory, the Shekinah, which overshadowed Mary. How many of you remember that? Praise the Lord. So, in dealing with this passage, verse uh, 29 there, immediately after the tribulation, this statement is commonly seen, like I said before, at what signals the end of the globe and Christ's supposed second coming. Somebody say, you mean the word supposed? I've explained that time with a number. There is nowhere in scripture where you have the word second and coming joined together. Amen. But I'm taking it from the statement, so we just go ahead. Praise the Lord. Now, by looking at the application of the word immediately, this does not show that our Lord Himself is talking of something that is going to happen in the future. He said immediately He will deal with the people. I remember Matthew 24, I think, verse 36, the Bible said, This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Have you read that? Hallelujah. Okay. So here he said immediately. And when he used the word immediately, it means something that's just going to about to happen. It's not talking about something that will happen 2,000 years ahead of time. Praise the Lord. It's not futuristic. We're not talking about the future. Rather, he's talking about the things that must follow the 
tribulation, the calamity is already predicted before in relation to the fall of Jerusalem. He already mentioned certain things. Going back to reading from you know, maybe verse 3 down along the line. You know, in Matthew 24. Talks about things that will happen, famine, false prophet, all of those things. And then, say Matthew 24 begins to tell us, I think verse 14, 15, right? Talking about the gospel of the kingdom shall preach, then the end shall come. How many of you understand that? And then talking about the prophecy of Daniel that shall be fulfilled. Hallelujah. So, we want to look at, for instance, the elements that are mentioned in this. Okay, if you look at this, and this gospel of the kingdom. No, wait a minute. Let's just look at verse 14. Verse 14, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for the witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Then verse 15, you know, it says, When therefore you shall see the abomination of desolation. This is very critical. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand at the holy place, whose reader let him do what? Understand. What is this saying? When you see the Roman soldiers compile the city about, for them, Jerusalem, as a matter of fact, for the Jews, once your plane lands at the airport in Tel Aviv, you're already in the Holy Land. Is that okay? So seeing Roman soldiers do not only get across, I mean through the borders, they are right here at the temple premises. This is what Daniel is talking about. The desolation standing in where? Most holy place. Praise the Lord. Are we together? Okay. And then like we said, verse 34, Matthew 24, 34, 36, he begins to read and he talks about this generation shall not pass, all these things be what? Be fulfilled. That is verse 34. Very, very say unto you, this generation shall not pass, all these things be what? Be fulfilled. What are all those things? Start reading again from verse number one. This temple shall not stand. All of these things. You know, he enumerated all of those things. So those predictions is what Jesus is saying they will be fulfilled. So when he said immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall you see the Son of Man appear in the glory cloud? Then we we'll begin to follow the elements. Let's begin to look at those elements mentioned here. Those elements mentioned here are like the sun, the moon, right? Okay. These things are basically symbolic and they are prophetic in their application. They are prophetic languages. Terrible times all through the scripture. Anytime God wants to talk of terrible times and shaking and all of those things coming upon the earth, these are the elements that are used to represent that kind of time or season. They are all pictures of shaking and changes in the heavens. Hallelujah. So here we find that the son speaks of the religion of the church, as it were. You know, he's the son of righteousness. You know, and then he talks about the ecclesiastical order. I'm talking about the rulers at a particular time. You know, and then the priesthood. You know, they are like the son in the firmament of heaven. Praise God. Is that okay? Then we have the moon, which speaks of the government of the state of Israel. They were represented. Now, if you go to um, Revelation 12, you, you'll be able to see where the Bible says, uh, the woman that was going to bring forth the male child has the sun on, on her head, 12 stars, and on her feet, the moon. The moon speaks of the religion of Israel. 
as it were, the core religion of Judaism that must take a reflection from the sun, which is actually Christ as well. Praise the Lord. Okay, so the moon is the government of, of the states of Israel, those people outside of the priesthood, those control, you know, the sun controls, the moon takes reflection from the sun. Is that okay? The priesthood was the one controlling the people. All right. Then he talks about the stars, and then uh, the stars are actually the rulers and the judges of both systems. You know, the government and those in judges, those in power, whatever the case may be. Now, you know so well that um, if you look at the case of Joseph, that is clearly explained. When Joseph said, the sun, the moon, and the level stars. How many of you remember that? Very good. The sun, the moon, and the level stars. Now, the sun was his father, the moon was the mother, the level stars were his seven brothers. <coughs> Excuse me. These are people. Praise the Lord. So, it's not talking about astronomical stars, astronomical heavens, and planetary systems that are going to fall and crash. It's not dealing with that. Praise the Lord. So, when he said the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, this is what he's talking about. It's actually the perishing of the Jewish heavens. Now, I want you to get it because it's very important. The Jewish heaven is seen as the ruling authority from and through the temple and the priesthood. Is that okay? Now, let me read the scripture here. Jeremiah 32. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy 30, 32 verse 1. 32 verse 1. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Now you check to me. Was Moses addressing the physical heaven and the physical earth? No. He was dealing with the priesthood and the people. Hallelujah. The priests were the heavens and the ordinary man are the earth. Praise God. So you look at verse 2 and this is what you see. My doctrine, which is my teaching, shall drop as the rain my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. So, it was people that he wanted to talk to that he was addressing. The heavens and the earth. Speaks about people. And this is why you have to understand Jesus making the statement and said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jot of the law shall fail. It's not talking about the planetary system. Are you getting that? He's talking about Judaism passing away. He's talking about a temple being destroyed. Talking about the priesthood being removed. That is the heaven and earth passing away. Nothing to do with planet earth. But the heavens of Judaism. So when the Lord talks about shaking of the heavens. He's talking about the removing of those things. Which need to be removed. That the things which shall not be removed may do what? They remain. Praise the living God. 
Are you there? So what we're looking at here is God is removing the heavens which has to do with the temple of Judaism in terms of worship, the priesthood, the sun and the moon which reflects His glory, you know, and the happiness of the people. Everything is going away. Speaking of the darkening of the sun and the moon, meaning nothing will be left standing. Everything will be brought to desolation. Praise the living God. Let me give you some examples from the scriptures. Look at Isaiah chapter 13, verse 9 and 10. Isaiah 13, verse 9 and 10. Praise God. This is what the Bible says. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the hand desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Now follow it. And look at the next verse. For the stars of heaven and the constellation thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and is going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to do what? To shine. Here we have the fall of Babylon. Hallelujah. As the stars and the constellation of heaven withdrawing the light and the sun and the moon being darkened. This is the fall of Babylon. This passage, you see, is describing the fall of Babylon. So anytime a system is about to come down, God begins to describe what before their nation. And the description goes with the sun, the moon being darkened, giving her light, the heavens passing away. Praise the living God. The same thing happened in relation to Egypt when Egypt is to be removed out of the system. So let's look at Ezekiel 32, verse number 7 and 8. Ezekiel 32, verse 7 and 8. Praise the Lord. In relation to the passing away of Egypt. Ezekiel 32, verse 7 and 8. Here also says... And when I shall pull thee out, I will cover the heavens and make the stars thereof dark. And I will cover the sun with the clouds, with the clouds, and the moon shall not give her light. Look at verse 6. All the bright lights of heaven will I make dark over thee, and set darkness upon thy land. See the Lord God. This is the destruction of Egypt. Hallelujah. Are we there? Let's look at another case again in Daniel chapter 8 verse number 10. Daniel 8 verse number 10. Using the same prophetic symbols for us to understand. Daniel chapter 8 verse 10. And the Bible says, And it was great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the hosts and of the stars to the ground, and stand upon them. What do you think is happening here? Here we are talking about casting down of the oil and stars, which speaks of the destruction of the Jews by Antiochus Epiphanes. When he conquered Jerusalem and started in Caesar. Antiochus Epiphanes. That's what happened. And the people here are coming and start speaking about the sons of God. How many of you remember the same thing in the book of Ezekiel, I mean Isaiah 13? We're reading from uh, 14 or 13, 14. And then you begin to see whatever you call Lucifer saying, I will extend my throne above the stars of God. Have you read that? 
first child is he talking about? As a matter of fact, those who even think this has to do with the devil, for me it's very funny. Because if you said the devil was already with God in heaven as a musician, that's what people say. Is that okay? He was already in heaven. But he was saying, I'm going to extend my throne above, above heaven, above the stars of God. If already in heaven, which other place is he going to? Praise the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? But what Nebuchadnezzar was saying, because this is basically Nebuchadnezzar, he has nothing one be to do with one creature called Lucifer that was a musician in heaven. That is a feeble, religious feeble. This is completely Nebuchadnezzar who wanted to rule over Israel without knowing God gave him power. In fact, he was thinking that he was ruling Israel, putting them in captivity with his own power. But if you take time to begin to read Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah down to 27, be able to see that God referred to Jeremiah as my servant. And he said, any of the tribe, talking about north and the southern tribe, that will not bring their neck on their Nebuchadnezzar, and he, God, will deal with those people. So, God permitted them to be taken into captivity, but Nebuchadnezzar didn't know that. And then he began to make all of those things, which he was saying in Isaiah chapter 13, from verse 14 to 15. So the stars of heaven. Now let me show you a few things there. Let's look at this so that you can understand what I'm saying. Isaiah 13, let's look at 14, most probably, so that we can just speak a few things there. Okay. And it shall be on that year's row. What is that? Okay. Uh, let's move down, move down very quickly. Let me see what I have to do. Is that? Praise the Lord. Isaiah 14 or 13? Let's go to 14. Sorry. Go to 14. Isaiah 14. Praise the Lord. Okay, fine. This is what I'm looking for. Go back to verse 13. Isaiah 14, I'm sorry. Not 18. Okay. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. Question. It's already in heaven, the way we are told. Am I correct? So which heaven is he ascending to again? Just say it's a musician in heaven that was playing for God. Uh-huh. Then he now said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above what? The stars of God. Who are the stars of God? The twelve tribes of the children of Jacob. Which is Israel. These were the stars of God. Praise the Lord. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Which congregation is to the south of the north? Mount Zion, according to the book of Sam. What is Mount Zion? The church. In other words, I'm going to rule Israel. That's just what he's saying. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now we can stop there. I just wanted to point out that for you to see. So, this is the point. When you read about star, read about moon, read about... You're not talking of planetary objects, planetary bodies. It's referring to people. It's referring to systems, referring to times and seasons. That God has a mind to do certain things. And when moon becomes darkened, the sun is not giving her light. That means life is being snuffed out. Praise God. Amen. Okay, let's go back very quickly to Matthew chapter 24. And then, um, again, like I said, verse 29. Here we find that we're dealing with the destruction of Jerusalem as prophesied by Joel. In Joel chapter 2, verse 30 and 31. That is what is being reflected in Matthew 24, verse 29. If you look at Joel chapter 2, 
Joel chapter 2 verse 30 and 31. And this is what you're going to see there. Joel 2, 32, 31. And I will show wonders in heaven, and the air blood, and fire and pillar of smoke. And then verse 31 says, The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of what? Of the Lord. Get it right. Is that okay? What terrible day of the Lord? Before the final day of the destruction of the temple. That's what he said. So, this is signals the removing of a system. And I would rather say, thou opposest God. Praise the Lord. Now, don't forget what we're dealing with. It's coming with clouds. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Okay. So, ah, we said in verse 29, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. Matthew 24, 29. I mean 30. The appearance of the Son of Man in the heavens follows the shaking of the heavens and the falling away of the stars. Remember, it speaks of divine vengeance on Israel at that time. Praise the Lord. The city was about to experience it. So when you begin to see all of this thing going on, no light, no more, all of this is going away. No protection, whatever. Then you see the Son of Man coming. What is He coming for? For judgment. But friend, the truth is this. Mighty 24 have nothing to do with your life. You can apply it. Sure. I have no problem with that. For such which happened to them, an example unto us. But historically speaking, Mighty 24 have been fulfilled in AD 70. Nothing to do with tomorrow. I remember when I was, had a meeting in Singapore a few years ago. Here was this prophet that came up and began to reel out everything in Matthew 24. As the thing God told him, and the thing that was going to happen. That's only about six years ago. God never told you anything about that. It's plain in the scripture. Everybody's reading it. Hallelujah. But it has nothing to do with whatever thing God... And he was saying, the, the coming of the Lord is imminent. The Lord showed me and everything that God said, help me fulfill. And begin to read everything from Matthew 24. 24, reading from verse number 1. And I was saying, God, help your church to come to understanding. This has nothing to do with anything that's happening in the future, not even anything tomorrow. It already happened in AD 70. For this generation shall not pass till all these things shall come to pass. Generation is just 40 years. Praise God. Are you with me? So, here we are looking at Jesus coming in His glorious manifestation with power, you know, so that through these terrible times, all the Jews that pierce Him shall more and many, because of the terrible times and seasons they are going to pass through, we start kind of regretting and saying, we wish we didn't kill Him. Now we know. He is truly the Messiah. That is what Zechariah 12.10 was not talking about. Is that okay? And so many will begin to acknowledge at that season the true religion of Jesus, which has to do with what I want to call Christianity. Right? So, those who pierce him and are more, 
of those in the land of Judea and its tribes, both the ones inhabiting them and the Jewish people, wherever they find themselves at that particular time. And that is why when you go to Matthew 24 again, verse 14, this gospel that we preach to all the earth, then the end shall come. All the earth have nothing to do with even Africa at that time. That has to do with wherever there was a Jewish man. That was the end of the world. If you are out of the Jewish system, if you are out of Palestine, you are regarded as dead. The world for the Jewish man ended wherever there is a Jewish man. Especially in the Greco-Roman Empire at that time. That was the end of the world. Praise God. You with me? Now, Jesus himself answered the high priest using the same language. So let's look at it again. Matthew 26, verse 64. Matthew 26, verse 64. Jesus himself answered the priest using the same language. Jesus said unto him, the high priest, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. This is a mystery. And when we read this, we don't, I think we don't think sometimes. Can you see the kind of, do I use the word conjunction? Statement coming together. Now the question is this. How can you be sitting and coming at the same time? You are sitting on the chair now. Is it possible for you to start moving with the chair? For him to sit and come means he's, he's sitting in a position and then he's coming through a medium. The medium with which is coming is the clouds. His sitting speaks of his authority and power. Do you understand that? So sitting and coming means he's going to sit or execute his power through a people. That's just what he's saying. And in this context, I'm able bold to declare to you, this cloud of heaven here speaks about the Roman soldiers. Praise the Lord. I'm coming through the Roman army to execute judgment. You will see it, you this high priest. You say, you will see. Uh, is there any high priest standing anywhere today? <laughs> Look at what he's holding. Hereafter you shall see you, the Son of Man, sitting on the right hand of power and coming what? In the clouds of heaven. To do what? To execute judgment upon that rebellious city. Praise the living God. So historically speaking, we find that he was going to ride into Jerusalem to judgment through the Roman soldiers. This then becomes the clouds with which he comes. And every eye saw him because the judgment was experienced by all the Jews. Huh. Are you following me? So here are the clouds are speaking of a people and not some atmospheric clouds. It's not dealing with that. These clouds we are looking at here speaks of the clouds of judgment. Just like when we read, for instance, the case of Nebuchadnezzar against Jerusalem. Now I'm going to take this as the last scripture for you. Jeremiah chapter 4. Let's look at verse number 11. Jeremiah chapter 4, Amplified Translation, verse 11, book of Jeremiah. This is Nebuchadnezzar when he was coming to Jerusalem to invade the city. 
Amplified. Praise the Lord. At that time, it will be said to these people, and to Jerusalem, a hot wind from the bare heights, and the wilderness come out my command. Are you getting that? Against the daughter of my people, not a wind to fan or cleanse from chaff or wind threshing, but verse 12 a wind too strong and full for winnowing comes at my word. Now I will also speak in judgment against my people. Look at verse 13. Behold, the enemy comes like what? Come on, are you seeing it? The enemy comes like what? Clouds. Which enemy is this? Nebuchadnezzar. His chariots like the wild wind. His horses are swifter than eagle. Woe to us, for we are ruined or what? Destroyed. This becomes a cry of Israel. Did you get that? He comes as what? A cloud. And it's referring to who? Nebuchadnezzar. So cloud represents God's power through vessels chosen of him with which he executes judgment upon a rebellious people. Praise the living God. So when you read Revelation 1, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and even those that hear him, it was simply referring to the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. And all the people that actually stood to crucify the Lord of glory. They saw the judgment of God come to them through the instrument of the Roman Empire. Which he refers to as what? The clouds of heaven. So clouds is not talking about that thing you see up there. Praise the living God. Clouds speaks about what? People. It's not thinking about the atmosphere. We're talking about singular cloud, Shekinah glory. Cloud, people. Is that alright? This is what the scripture says. So, you don't have any reason, you don't have any justification to go out looking into the sky expecting Jesus to drop from the atmosphere. No, he's not in the atmosphere. If he's coming with clouds, you better be careful. He's coming in judgment. But if he comes with a cloud, you rejoice. Because his glory is about to be manifested. The Son of Man is being deposited. When he comes in a singular cloud, like he did on Mary, something begins to happen. And the cloud will also come upon the church which God has prepared for himself that the man-child will finally be born. We're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It is a singular kind of glory that will bring that to be. But what I'm going to make you see next week is this. God is either going to come in form of judgment through his own cloud. And I will show you who those clouds are next week. God bless you. Thank you.